So much has happened already this morning. You guys still need a word? All right, sorry, these guys messed it up for you. I was just going to close in prayer, but somebody up here still needs a word. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we ask you to bless the speaker and bless the seeker today, God. Bless your word. Bless this place, Lord God. Bless us and prepare us to speak and to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My, my daughter, uh, whenever my daughter wants to, to me to buy her something, she always tells me, Daddy, you want to buy me this because you love me? <coughs> Even like a dirtbag dad can't refuse that, right? You want to buy me this because you love me? So, Father, I ask, that, that, Daddy, you want to bless us because you love us today, God? Daddy, you want to speak to us because you love us, God? You want to give somebody here a word today because you love them, God? Amen. Amen. All right, here's the quote. Here's the quote. This one is, uh, this quote is from a real old guy, A.W. Tozer. Listen, listen. The true church has never sounded out public expectations before launching her mission. Her leaders just heard from God, knew the Lord's will, and they did it. Their people followed them, sometimes to triumph, more often to insults and public persecution. And their sufficient reward was the satisfaction of being right in a wrong world. Today, as we continue our series through the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, I want to share a message with you today titled, Right in a Wrong World. Say amen. Well, all right, let's, let's, let's rewind a, 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 for, for a few minutes. We've gone through the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, and we've dipped into the book of Acts and a few others just to get the history and the, the background of who Paul was, right, and, and who he is now. And we've gotten to understand that this Paul who wrote this letter was a really passionate brother. Anybody can amen that? Right? I mean, he was passionate. This guy was hardcore in everything that he does, right? Even, even when he was wrong, he went about it like he was absolutely right. Right? This guy grew up with religion. He grew up all around religion. He learned the law. And Paul was all about being a godly man. He wanted to be a godly man. He was this determined to serve God with his life to the point of even persecuting those that didn't serve God the way he served God. And, and listen, I know there, was, there have been atrocities done throughout history by men like Paul. Men that, that were so passionate and so zealous about God that they would persecute and punish those that didn't love God the way they loved God. That was this Paul. And so we talked about what happened. He was persecuting people that weren't religious like him. And then one day Jesus went one round with him, knocked him to the floor, and left him blind for three days. I want you to think about that for a moment. He was coming after Jesus' people, and so Jesus came after him. Does anybody think that's kind of cool? He was coming after God's people, and God came after him. I, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I see God's got my back. 
Right? And, 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 well, there's another twist on that too. If you think about it, the word says if we come after him, he'll come after us. The word says if we seek him, we'll find him. If we go looking for him, he, he'll be found by us, right? So, so this kind of, this, this, this piece of scripture kind of lets us know even if we go looking for him for the wrong reasons, we'll still be found by him. Right? So Paul was persecuting for the wrong reasons, and Jesus still came after him. Now, now listen, a side note, I don't know what kind of softcore Jesus you might be used to hearing about. But, but you're not going to ever hear that nonsense here, because the Word tells me that this Jesus, when he shows up, Paul got knocked out. Knocked out. You, you understand? Now, Paul didn't have a goose bump. Paul didn't get funny feelings in his belly. Paul got knocked out. Knocked out. What does that mean? Like knocked out. Drew, hit somebody in the face right now. I want to show you what knocked out is. <laughs> that would be knocked out, right? So, so when this Jesus shows up, I mean, everything we read about, when this Jesus shows up, foul spirits start to stutter. When this Jesus shows up, it, it, we, we read that prison gates fall open. We read that shackles drop off of people. We read that walls crumble. We read when this Jesus shows up, mighty storms that were scaring people to death just chill out. This is not some, some soft core Jesus, right? When, when, see, people fall out at the light of his presence, at the sound of his voice, demons get cast out. At the sound of his voice, sickness pulls back. At the sound of his voice, the dead walk. See, when God calls, your status doesn't matter. Oh, come on, man. This is getting deep. When God calls, your status, the mess that you're in, you could be doing your own thing. You could be going about your own business. You could be so far from God in your mind. But when, when God calls, your status doesn't matter. You could be dead in your sins or you could even just be dead. <laughs> Jesus said, Lazarus. <laughs> At the sound of his name, the dead walk and the walking dead bow down. I'm not talking about this pretty white boy with the perfect goatee and the long flowy hair that, that, that we have pictures of in our houses. That we have tattoos of. I think as a joke, when those people get to heaven, Jesus is gonna, gonna bring them, come around and say, oh, I love you, brother, I love you so much. But who's the dude on your arm? Like, who is that guy? I see a lot of people with that guy on their arm. Who is that guy? I'm not talking about that Jesus. I don't know where people got that picture from. I'm talking about a Jesus that's my Savior, that's my Redeemer, that's a mighty warrior, that's my Deliverer, my Fortress, my Shield, my Rock, my Strong Tower. Some, something, something about that picture, I don't see Him being all that. I don't see that being my Strong Tower with His flowy hair. <laughs> Paul, 
Paul was knocked out and he was blinded. But now, but now watch this. The others that were with him, they heard the voice, but they didn't see anything or they didn't say anything in response. I'm revisiting this because God gave me some more on this. Notice that we never read about those guys that were with Paul ever again. Do you ever think about that? Now, if these people were traveling with Paul, these were Paul's boys, right? Paul's not going to just travel with anybody. Paul was a passionate, crazy dude. He was locking people up. And, and so these guys had to be his boys, the ones that were traveling with him. They had to have his, his heart. They had to have his vision. They were his warriors, his soldiers. They were traveling with him. Jesus knocks them out to the floor. Jesus speaks to him. It says they heard the voice, but they didn't see anything, and they don't say anything. Notice we never read about those guys ever again. Notice those guys don't go on to greater revelation later. Notice we, we never, those guys don't start walking in miracles. They don't start starting churches. Notice the Bible doesn't even give us their names. They don't go around preaching the gospel. They don't tell everybody what they heard. Could it be, let me, let me just put this out there. Could it be because they heard from God but never responded? I'll let that marinate. Could it be they heard from God but never had an encounter with God? See, you could come to church week after week after week after week. You could visit the second church after you leave this place. You could go to the third church on Wednesday. You could go to your other favorite church on Friday and come back here next Sunday. <coughs> and you could hear the word and the word and the word, but until you respond. Until you fall down, until you have an encounter with God, until you sit and wait without talking, without trying to explain to everyone, without looking for an excuse or complaining about why you can't see why this is happening. Church, I'm just learning this, so please bear with me. Until you respond to what God says to you, you will walk away and you'll be the same. And nothing will ever change. See, Jesus knocked Paul out, left him blind, but then he sent somebody with a vision to come open his eyes. This is for somebody here today. Listen, next time you get knocked down and you can't see why, stop talking and trust that God has already given vision to somebody and he's on the way with your revelation. Isn't it interesting that from that point on, the Bible refers to Saul as Paul? Now, there's some ideas and some theologians have debates about this, but the Word doesn't say nothing. Could it be that when you start walking differently, people will address you differently? Come on, man. Tweet that and, and just, just do it. So this Paul, he hears, he responds. Paul says yes. 
Paul says yes. And, and then the word tells us that he starts preaching everywhere he goes. He plants this church in the city of Corinth. And then he spends time with them. He disciples them. And now some time has passed. And he's getting reports back that there's some Christians gone wild up in Corinth. And, and, and he can't visit them at the moment. He's probably in jail. He writes to them. And so we already noted the way that he writes to them, and that's important. I want to mention that again. The way he writes to, to, to his church, first, he greets them. Second, he reminds them of who and us, of who we are and who we're called to be. Then he encourages us. Remember, he's writing to, to, to give us a pow-pow. But first he greets us. He reminds us of who we are and who we're called to be. Then he encourages us. Then he appeals to us about some things that are going on. He stresses about divisions in the church. He says God would want for us to do the hard work of getting along. Then he's careful, if we read the letter, he's careful to bring it all back to the cross. All back to the wisdom of God, to the mercy of God, to the grace of God. And now, by chapter 3 now, he's ready to go in. Right? He's, he's ready to start dealing with some issues. Now, that is a great model for us as a church, as Christians, as men and women of God to follow. Historically, the church has gone in on people before they had a relationship with people. See, you can't, you, you can't show somebody, you have to show somebody that you love them before you can correct somebody. Historically, the church will stop you at the door. Take that hat off, cover your tattoos. Is that your Sunday best, really? See, fam, I'm preparing you for leadership right here. I'm not preparing you to be congregants sitting in churches someplace. Amen? So if sometimes I come across a little harsh, I'm not sorry, but, but it's on purpose, right? I don't, I don't want to have a big church of people that like me. I want to have a big kingdom-building place that, that, that produces people that love God. Who cares about me? Because if I die, then those that like me will die with me. But if we build a kingdom, the loving God, then when I die, that kingdom keeps building and building and building. Amen? I learned that from Paul. He's bad. Paul didn't get all preachy and high and mighty. He didn't get self-righteous with people, boasting about how good and whatever. He just said, listen, not me, but Christ. See, Paul showed that he was under authority. You we, we got to get this. Listen to me. You have to show that you are a man under authority before you can speak with authority over people. So too many people think a title is all you need. Give me a title, I'll run the world. No. If you couldn't run the world without the title, you're not going to do it with the title. Or rock the vote. No, anyway. So, so after, after having said all that, Paul goes in now and he, he starts explaining some stuff, right? He starts teaching some things. See, in chapter 2, he spoke about the two different conditions that man can be in. And he spoke about one natural man, right? And, and Pastor Gary was sharing about that last week. Natural man in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he can't accept the things of God. Because natural man, to him, the message of the cross is foolishness. Because it's spiritual and they don't have the Spirit of God. 
And so they're physical, they're natural, and, and the things of God are spiritual. Because why? Because they haven't responded to the call yet. Then in, 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 in Corinthians 2.15, he explains there's, now there's spiritual man. There's natural man. These aren't superheroes. There's natural man, and then there's spiritual man. Spiritual man is a natural man who's responded to God. Spiritual man is a natural man who said yes. He knows the things of God. The Spirit of God is in him because he's responded to the call and his eyes are now open. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul introduces us to a third condition that man can be in. And that is carnal man. Worldly man. He says in in chapter 3, verse 1, Check it to make sure I'm not making this stuff up. He says, brothers, brethren. So who's he talking to? He's talking to us, to the brothers and sisters in Christ. Make, make, that, make sure of that. He says, I could not address you as spiritually, as spiritual, but as worldly, as mere infants in Christ. So who's he talking to? Because theologians get this real crazy, and some commentaries will, will kind of go back and forth on this. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians, isn't he? He calls them brethren, and then he says mere infants in Christ. So they are in Christ. They're spiritual man, right? <clears throat> but he's telling them, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, I'll drop it to you in the King James. Ye are yet worldly. Carnal man, he knows the things of God, the Spirit of God is in him, but he's characterized more by the things of this world because he's become worldly. How do we, how does a, 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 a spiritual man become worldly? Real easy, you live in the city. Right? Real easy, you put the TV on. You could get worldly in 15 minutes. Anybody say Amen. You don't, you, I mean, come on, you don't even have to leave this building to get worldly, can you, right? You just look at some of the outfits up in here. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you don't have to, we, we don't have to go too far to get worldly. It's real easy because the influence of this city is on us. The influence of this city is all around us. And so, 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 you know, there are many debates, like I said, back and forth, and some people believe there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Either you're a natural man or you're a spiritual man. But listen, and they, they say you can't be worldly and be a Christian. I think the fact that we can argue with that, about that, proves that obviously we can. Commentator, one commentator wrote, and I love this, carnal man is, is a Christian. Carnal man is saved. He write, he wrote, Carnal man is going to heaven, but he's flying third class. I love that. Now, some of you could real easily get the ghetto mindset and say, well, I don't care as long as I'm going in. (laughs) How many of you thought that already, right? You thought, I don't care. As long as I get to heaven, I don't care. How I get there, I don't care. But, 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 But can I tell you today, no. 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 God wants better for you than that. 
You're, why settle for spiritual welfare when God wants you spiritually wealthy? I'll give it to myself. Woo! We settle in for God's weak cheese when God wants, God wants to give us more than that. Right? God wants to give us more. I just want to be able to make it to church. I just want to be able to, you know, visit once in a while, get on the roster. I just want to, you know, maybe get my baptism on, get in the tank, shake, and, and, and you know. No, man. God wants more for you than that. Listen, listen. The most selfish thing that you can do is to make it to heaven in that condition. God has called us to stand right in a wrong world. As long as we live in this flesh, that will always be a matter of how we respond. Can you be worldly today and, 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 and set on fire tomorrow? Yes. Can you be worldly again by Wednesday? Yes. It's all a matter of how we respond. Amen? Does it mean the Spirit of God is not in you anymore because you fell on Wednesday again in the same place where you fell last week? Tell me, does, does that mean that? Does that mean that God left you? Does that mean that God has forsaken you? Does that mean that He doesn't love you anymore like He loved you on Sunday? Church, can you get that today? Can you get that today? Amen? Can you get that when God decided to call you and love you, you were the worst bum in the worst condition? That And he's already saw what you did the year next. He already saw that you got pregnant too soon or that you, you got into a relationship you shouldn't have been in. He already saw that you had an addiction later on. He already saw that you're dealing with this and sleeping around and doing all kinds of... He already saw that and he decided to love you anyway. The problem is, the problem is in church, we get, we, we get to the place where we think, you know, and this is where self-righteousness comes in. We think that, you know, I had a pretty good week, right? I, I played worship music in my car. I almost cried. It was like awesome. <laughs> Whoa, Monday was like crazy. I almost like shed a tear. It was crazy. It was, you had to be there. I can't explain it, right? And then, and then somebody at work sneezed and I said, God bless you. So, so I was testifying. I, I was witnessing up to my coworker. I said, God, I could have said bless you like people say, but I said, because I'm a Christian, I said, God bless you. I dropped it on them. I dropped the gospel. So, so man, this week I almost cried in the car. I was witnessing all day at my job. <laughs> I, they, 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 um, I, got the, I get this devotional email, right? And it has like three scriptures in it. And I read the whole thing this time. Because it was long. You know, the scripture was like three sentences. I was like, God, this is a long one. I can't pick it short. You know, but I read the whole thing this week. And you feel like, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of God's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like secret agents. And, and, and meanwhile, and then something happened, you said, Psh, the, and then I had a flat tire, boy, because the enemy was angry at me.
Could it be that you just ran over a nail? <laughs> Was that really Satan trying to stop you from God blessing somebody when they sneeze? Let's get serious, right? And so, you know, we think that we can earn this thing and we, and we build up. And then when on Thursday we drop it and we do something really stupid, then we say, God's not happy no more. Like he was happy Monday with you. <laughs> you know, if, if it was based on this, right? No, God loves you. We, we're either natural men and we don't understand anything I'm saying today. Because the Spirit of God is not in me and I, don't, I, I, I can't see the spiritual things. Or, or, or you're a spiritual man. Because you've said yes to God. And I don't care how long ago that was. But you said yes to God. And so the Spirit of God is in you. And now you've decided to go your own way and do the stupidest things you can imagine and do, do life and do you and do everything you wanted to do and you think you're not a Christian anymore. The Spirit of God is still in you. Yeah, he's been, you've been dragging him through all this mud, but he's still with you. And he's never left you. And... I love it because Paul, the same Paul, tells us clearly in Galatians, he says, But so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of, this, uh, of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Why don't you do the things you want to do? Because you're walking in the flesh. I, I, can I confess to you? Amen? When you walk in the Spirit, you suppress the desires of the flesh. And then you're able to do the things that you want to do. But look, but look, I, I love this. Paul gives us this great picture of that in Romans 7. Romans 7, this is the same Paul speaking. Romans 7, he, he says... I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, then I know that nothing good lives in me. In my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil that I don't want to do, this is what I keep on doing. So I find this law at work in me. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody ever had that? Do you understand that revelation? When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And then Paul asked the most important question in that passage in Romans 7 he and then he gives the most excellent answer he says who can save a wretch like me and then he answers it nothing but the blood of Jesus who can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That 
the person next to you. Would you still say yes? This time 
decision that or choice that we have to make every day whether we want to be the natural man or the spiritual man so if you say yes to being a spiritual man why don't you come up here and join us and worship with us this morning come on if you say yes 
Don't hesitate. And this means if you've been serving the Lord for one day or 2,000 days, if you say yes, let's worship together. Worship together. 